Randy, uh, you are one of the founders of Twitch, which is a very, very cool social media platform. It's a lot more than that. We'll get into that, but that uses micropayments. And it's one of the, one of the, I think one of the best apps that I have actually used, uh, that I use regularly that uses micropayments. So I wanted to get you on here and I wanted to chat about a little bit about the origin story there and some of your thoughts on how micropayments change the incentives and could change the game in terms of social media. So great to have you. Thanks for having me, Isaac. Uh, so first I got to ask you, um, Oh, actually, before I ask you a question, just a quick plug. All these videos, as well as I'm, I'm doing some little articles and explorations of apps that use um, tiny payments. If you want to subscribe, go to nanopay.cash and there's just a sign up form. It's just free. And I'm putting out emails um, a couple times a week. Usually I'll share these, these, uh, these videos as well as some other stuff. I just actually did a kind of a little review of Twitch um, yesterday. So go, go subscribe at nanopay.cash. Okay. The shilling is complete. Just subscribe. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. The Twitch article was great, actually. Probably the best description of Twitch I've ever seen. And I've tried well, to write a lot of them myself. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, that, that's good because I'm not super techie. And um, I just, I have to put things in, you know, in terms of what I understand, which is a blessing and a curse. Sometimes my, you know, lack of uh, tech intelligence is a, is a curse, but sometimes it's helpful because I can explain things to normal people. No, you're a great writer. Um, actually, I wanted to ask you if I could use some of this copy um, and link out to your article uh, on Twitch for some Twitch uh, onboarding material. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Use it anywhere you want to. No, no problem awesome. at all. Um, one thing I should say, and I want to get into the story, but this is just so, so cool that I got to tease at because right after I did that little write up on Twitch, I discovered there is a new feature that I didn't even know about that like by itself, because you guys have introduced a lot of things that I think could be game changers for a lot of different um, companies and platforms, but that by itself is like kind of a breakthrough in my opinion. And that is when you go to log in to Twitch, mm -hmm. you click log in, you'll see all these little numbers scrolling for a couple seconds and it'll mm -hmm. be like, you know, we're validating your login and then boom, you're in. I didn't know what that was, but I found out that is actually utilizing proof of work. It's like a CAPTCHA killer. Instead of using mm -hmm. like identify the traffic light to stop like DDoS attacks and like spam and bots, you are requiring the computer. My computer's processing power is being utilized to solve some kind of cryptographic problem. I don't understand exactly how it works, but it's, it's, it's interacting with the blockchain in some way with a hashing function or something basically to prove, uh, to make it too costly for me to try to brute force it and, and try to log in with a million different passwords rapidly because it would eat up too much. And it was like, that was like little magic that's happening behind the scenes. It doesn't use a micropayment, but it does utilize the blockchain right. and the, the proof of work idea. So kudos to you. That's super cool. You know, I'm not the, uh, I'm not the hash wall uh, genius, but yeah, no, it is really cool. And I think hash walls could be a future security measure that's integrated into every big application. Um, you know, it doesn't use, you know, any cryptocurrency or anything like that. All it does is it requires your computer to solve uh, a computational problem that, you know, we set the difficulty for. So we, it could either be more or less difficult depending on what we want it to be. Um, and yeah, it's hard. It's a lot. If it's a capture killer, but it's definitely an added security measure. Um, well, a capture killer is, is catchier. So I just going to say it's a capture killer. <laughs> <laughs> Ashwall. It's a dope name. It's a really dope name. Ashwall is pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. Was that, did you guys spin that yeah. up to address a specific problem? Like were you starting to get people trying to attack? Yeah. Yeah. You know, as Twitch gets more and more popular, um, the idea of nano payments is going to come with a lot more security issues. Um, and in order to mitigate that, we're going to, do as much as we possibly can. We're doing 2FA now. So 2FA should be out uh, tomorrow, hopefully. And yeah, added security measures. That's, that's, what we're dis that's disappointing. I hate two-factor authentication. <laughs> you, don't have to, you, don't, you don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. But it's like people who have are using the Twitch wallet to 
for high volume, high amounts of money, you know, they might want 2FA. We also are looking into, you know, um, biometric, you know, face ID, touch ID, yep. just yep. to send payments, you know, and you can set your payment threshold, all that stuff. I mean, it, you know, it doesn't make us money, but it helps us from uh, having our users lose money, which is also a very important part of our business. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You guys always strike me as like taking the long view and trying to, trying to do things right. And uh, versus just like hammering something out there. Okay. So let's get, let's get the story. Let's go back to the beginning because I heard you mention, and I'd never heard this before that you originally started trying to build some kind of a social media type thing on Ethereum and ended up running into some problems. So give me, give me the backstory. When, when did this idea start? When did you start building something? And um, you know, how did you end up where you are? So I'm pulling up my dribble because <laughs> I'm going to get the timestamp for you. It's dribble.com slash logo Billy. That's my uh, old portfolio account. Uh, and there's this one logo called shitposters.io. And you can, I hope there's a timestamp here. Um, but I think it was sometime back in 2018 or 2019 that I, yeah, three years ago, I uploaded this. Um, Shitposters.io. We had already done a couple of ETH projects and we're really looking for new and innovative ideas that utilize the blockchain for all the great things that it does, including getting people paid for the data and the use and the things that they provide to these giant social network platforms of the internet in general. So um, <clears throat> I basically, I called up Josh the frog and I was like, yo, check this out. I have this idea. We're going to put Twitter on the blockchain. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, what blockchain? And, I, and we had been working on Ethereum. I'm like, well, why can't we do it on Ethereum? I'm me at the time. I'm like, you know, a year and a half into being involved in crypto new, to the whole thing. I don't know what's going on. I do know though, that we've broken Ethereum multiple times. Every time we had an NFT drop, uh, the Ethereum blockchain would break down, transactions unsuccessful. We wouldn't sell out as quickly as we wanted to. People would be upset. You know, the whole nine, everybody, you know, who works B2C knows how customer support can be. Um, and it wasn't helping. So we had already done all this. We knew all of this and this idea for Twitter on the blockchain uh, wasn't going to be possible on Ethereum. It just wasn't. We weren't. You weren't going to be able to do half of the stuff. We. I mean, we put the data that you post to Twitch on chain as well as all the interactions. So it's like, it's not even possible on Ethereum, or it wasn't back then. And the only blockchain that we knew that would be capable of doing it was this new Bitcoin fork called BSV. Um, you know, we hadn't even really heard about people building on Bitcoin other than like rare Pepe's from Counterparty, which was got what got Josh and then got me into NFTs in the first place. Like most people probably won't even know about rare Pepe's, you know. Um, so, yeah, shit posters, IO never happened on Ethereum. Um, we, we found out about BSV probably a year later um, or, you know, we really we were serious about working, you know, on BSV about a year later. And this was, to I mean, it was the idea right off the bat. It was like, this is what we're doing. Um, what were the, then, what were the, oh yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm just going to say, and then like, you know, right after that, one of the issues that Twitter has is that, you know, kicking Donald Trump off and all of these people, it causes these major uptakes in Twitch traffic and for good reason. Uh, at the time, it wasn't really like, it wasn't really that bad. Like they had a, they, they do have like a lot of control over their users and they don't let you buy and sell usernames and all kinds of stuff that you would think that would be good for business and that people would want to do. They don't let you do a lot of that stuff. So that's really where it started out was like not it wasn't really on this like communist centralist control, you know, uh, big brother kind of attitude that they have now back then. Yeah. Um, but it happened really fast. And so that was good for us. So. So, yeah, that's what I was going to ask, like, what were the main components that you wanted to have in here are the main features was it like hey um you know we really wish that you could make it so that you know comments and likes cost a few cents because that's going to be an improvement was it hey we really wish that all the data was stored on chain so that you know it's not it's not all able to be deleted by twitter was it what was like the main the main thing you wanted to improve about social media that required the blockchain well, first of all, you, you had all the, the stuff that would get deleted off Twitter. 
um, either by Twitter or by the user themselves. So one of the first things that we wanted to do was create an archive on the blockchain, provable, timestamped, all that good stuff. All the metadata of the tweet goes on the chain. If somebody deletes something that they said, like, uh, you know, AOC posted back in 2014, hey, I had this interesting conversation at the bar. These guys said that they would fund me to be a politician, whatever, you know, I'm pretty sure that's a real story, but it's on the blockchain now. So, you know, she can go back and delete it years later when it pops back up, but we will always have uh, proof. Um, and so, you know, especially during this time of confusion, um, you know, now with COVID, but back then it was really just being on the internet in general um, before they coined all these new terms like misinformation and stuff like that. It was just about getting a cohesive idea of what's really going on and, you know, things that people really said and, and ideas that really happened and uh, research that really came out. So get that on the blockchain. That was the first idea. And then this, the, the, the added benefits of the blockchain were kind of obvious, right? You can have interoperable accounts uh, that share data and information across uh, platforms using your wallet. You have identity, uh, obviously, with your wallet, even though most will, a lot of people in BSV will argue that that's not identity, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you log in with your wallet, yep. right? And then you share um, your income and your and your expenses. They all come out of the same place. And it's kind of like one cohesive uh, account, as opposed to like, the internet where you have a hundred different email accounts and whatever else. And then there was the, the bots and the spam and the, the fake stuff that happens on Twitter. So you have a ton of, um, you know, fake accounts that are pushing certain, you know, political or whatever propaganda um, and spam and all of that stuff. And it's also solves this barrier to entry. So like back in, I don't know, not even long ago, like 20 years ago, in order for you to have an opinion on LeBron James um, that was heard by thousands, you know, even just thousands of people, you would have to go call into a radio show and get past this, uh, you know, guy who would vet every caller and make sure that you're an intelligent person that has something to say. Or even before that, you would have to write in to the opinion section of your local or the, you know, New York Times or whatever the newspaper is in order for any kind of fan opinion um to be heard and then with the invention of social media obviously it was like a bombardment of every single opinion that ever existed about any single topic immediately getting seen and heard by you know gms and owners you know just this is a sports reference specifically but also media analysts and all this stuff and all of this new information they had to they now have to go from uh filtering a very small amount of information that has a very high barrier to entry to a very large amount of information that's very low barrier to entry. Um, and it, it's, it's taken a really long time for them to figure out. And still to this day, you'll hear owners and GMs making decisions based on what people are saying on Twitter, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, so anyway, long story short, there's now a barrier to entry uh, um, and it's called proof of work and it's called putting money behind where your mouth is. You know? Yeah, it, it's a, I, I love the... Um... <laughs> the callback to the days of, I, mean, I remember letters to the editor and stuff. And I, you know, I used to submit those sometimes and um, you yeah, imagine exactly. now, imagine now pick like a random, like blue check mark approved journalist that you see on Twitter. And imagine if all your tweets you had to send to them and they would decide which ones the world got to, got to see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so, okay. So this evolution of like, okay, there's a world where, information costs are relatively high. And so you have these big branded names, news or organizations or whatever, and they're the gatekeepers <clears throat> to basically let you know, you know, to, to, to get the information out there as information costs came down approaching zero. Now you sort so the problem there was like too little access to information and it was all contained by a few gatekeepers. Now you kind of have had the opposite problem where there's so much information that's so cheap that it's overwhelming and it's really easy to just get spammed and drown out in crap. And, and then these, these platforms have to make the decision, are we going to become the institutions that we set out to replace in some ways? Are we going to have to become the new, are we going to have to have editorial control? I mean, you have literally farms of content moderators and, you know, that Facebook has and whatever. Um, or are we going to just let people get drowned out in like horrible information? And what it sounds like 
you guys sort of stumbled on or realized was not only do you have the ability to prevent things from getting, you know, memory hold by saying, hey, let's put this stuff on chain and stamp it, but by the, the seamless integration of micro and nano payments in this process, you have the ability to kind of get the best of both worlds. Like it's a very low barrier to entry. I can post something for a few cents, but it's a too high of a barrier for entry for me to go pay some bot farm in China to go spam Facebook with, or whatever, you know, Twitch with hundreds and hundreds of, of posts to make it look like there's a groundswell for something that there's not. So like the ability, again, this is what I love about tiny, tiny payments is that you're able to apply those same market forces that you get to in most of the economy to these areas where the, the values, the individual values are so small. You can kind of figure out the supply and demand. Where is that price point where it keeps out the bad information, but is still low enough for there to be kind of a easy participation and competition to let things rise to the top where there's skin in the game, but it's not like you got to own a paper to have skin in the game, right? Like it's just a really interesting evolution. It's like that next step. Um, right. It's like we went from zero to a hundred and now we got to come find our way back to 50 or something. Yes. Yes. And find ways to, ways for our brain to understand and assess the value of information, each piece of information relative to the next. Because if it's all free, then you, it's really hard to tell the good from the bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just kind of in incorporating payments in there, I think is just really, really has it's some huge start. potential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me about when you first, when you started building this thing, um, you know, you, you couldn't do it on Ethereum you heard about BSV and it was, what was the, the thing you just realized that the really low fees because the block size were really big like that, or that the data could be put on chain. What, what made it the attractive option? Yeah. It was as soon as you said, okay, you could have data on chain at a really low cost. You know, the, the benefits of having a payment network are what they are. We've known those for many years. And by the way, I can make a 50 cent bet in fiat now on, uh, on Caesars or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. like, that benefit kind of has uh, dwindled with yep. the, the Bitcoin value proposition um, as a currency that you can spend very small amounts of money. Um, they're doing it with fiat. So it's not necessarily just that. It's about putting the data on the blockchain um, and having proof of work behind everything. So, yeah, I guess as soon as we knew about the data and the small payments, when we, especially after having worked with BTC and Ethereum, I mean, it was just obvious. It was just like, well, we're entrepreneurs. We want to make something awesome. We want to do something creative and innovative and new. Um, and where can we do it with the least amount of friction, you know, in terms of the blockchain? Yeah. Uh, so that was just such an obvious decision. It wasn't, we didn't even know people were really building like apps on Bitcoin Cash and no one really was to this extent, you know? Either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So was it Bitcoin Cash at first? Was before Bitcoin Cash split into BSV? No, or was no. It after? Bitcoin Cash never appealed to me. One, because I, you know, I was new and I was not in, involved in understanding the technical technical uh, stuff. Um, but also because I really didn't like Roger Ver's uh, whole persona. He's kind of became an unlikable guy. And then you had Jihan Wu, who was like this shadowy mining billionaire figure, the whole thing to me, I was like really caught up in the, in the BTC kind of narrative at the time. So we never got, I never got into BCH. Josh was interested in BCH, um, but we, he never got interested in it from an entrepreneurial perspective, as far as I know, because we had Ethereum, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, I like Roger Ver. He's, he's a good dude. He's, a, I love he's Roger a, Ver now. I really do. Buddy of mine. I, I, I've come around, you know, it was, it was the moment when I, when I looked at Craig Wright and said, oh, this guy's not crazy asshole. He's actually really intelligent and saying something of value. That was the moment that my idea of like who everyone was kind of flipped on and said, and I was like, wait a second, these guys who I thought were scammers are really the guys who are trying to do what's best for the Bitcoin. You know, and, then, and then you get to that next level where you realize it is possible to be a crazy asshole and also be correct about some really important things. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's almost like a, you have to have both. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, so as you guys, I'm trying to remember when you first, um, when you first launched, 
So check this out. I have um, yeah, go ahead because you've really, you've added thread. so many features over the year over the last two. Well, years. I have a thread on my personal Twitter at Nandul Randy, and it's pinned at the top. It's from April 2019, and it's called "How to Fix the Internet Without Getting Rid of the Things You Love About It." And it's like a I don't know 15 20 point thread about why nano payments and data on the blockchain and putting the blockchain on the internet is such a great idea. Um, and this was before we came out with Twitch. It was like real which was very cool so give me the um i, mean, I don't know you can read through that thread if you want to or give me the, yeah, so the first thing is the advertising model so it's the behind your back steal your data sell it for money and you don't get anything for it so we can solve that right away by doing no ads and pay to play simple right um ad internet's broken da, 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 da. um and then the centralized databases of usernames and passwords, that's another huge problem that the blockchain solves to just bore us. You know, All of a sudden, I have to put a gun to your head to get into your account. I can't put a gun to Twitch's head to get into everybody on Twitch's account. Yeah, yeah. Which is, just, I mean, you know, obviously you can't put a gun to Twitter's head, whatever. But if you right. hack no, Twitter, but, but yeah, everybody. those those giant, those giant security holes. I mean, this is what I, one of the things I hate about all these KYC laws that, okay, you know, if somebody, whatever, if you're a crypto exchange or a bank or whatever, you got to get people's license and all this other stuff. Well, that, that company has to store all that stuff and they have to like, it's compromised. You can find it on the internet. Yeah. All the time. It's like, why do I want, if I'm a company, whether I'm selling goods or, you know, I mean, we've heard like the data breach with, uh, I don't think it was like target a couple of years ago, all of the people that had like target debit cards or credit cards and all their stuff and all, because they're required to store all this stuff. So yeah, the, creating this giant attractive nuisance that's just like you know screaming for somebody to come hack it versus you never being the ones to, to hold that stuff in the first place um i think it's just so underappreciated totally totally and it was okay, one keep, of the keep, value yeah keep going down the list putting bitcoin on the internet i mean putting the internet on bitcoin yeah um data decentralized data storage so you can always recover your stuff that was in your article as well so basically you can post stuff to the blockchain using twitch twitch can kick you off the platform but the stuff remains on the blockchain and the only person that can decrypt it is you using your own private keys it's kind of like a it's a total individualist kind of mentality yep. um data storage micro payments i mean if you if you take twitter's total number of interactions and posts per day and you add a penny to them uh, they probably would make more money than they do with their advertising model also i just want to bring up i've used twitter's advertising platform and there's no possibility that this is the company's bread and butter this is how they make money because they don't put any effort into it whatsoever it's like it it's just uh, it's just a perfect example of like the vc public company and how that distorts the reality of the business itself. It's like, I thought this business was based upon advertising revenue. And I, when I use the advertising platform, it's clear to me that they don't care about it and they haven't cared about it for years. And so, so now you it's wonder, funny you say like, that. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, it's just, it just makes you wonder, like, what are the real uh, incentives? Because it's obviously not to grow the business from the perspective of, more profit to do more innovative stuff with, you know? Yeah. It's funny. I wondered that myself because, you know, Facebook with it's very clear that ads are very, very important to them. So like I've used Facebook ads exactly. for my businesses over the years and it's like highly competitive. You get great detailed data. You can very quickly figure out your cost. They care about it. Click your impression. You get, you know, um, with Twitter, I've, I've attempted it a few times and it's like, I can't even figure out if it was valuable. It's, it's pretty weak data. It's pretty like, I yeah, came out right. of thinking That's I got scammed. I was like, I just spent 50 bucks. It's, it gave me a different number on my number of impressions and that was it. <laughs> and I was like, Whoa, never, ever doing that again. And I'm sure a lot of people come out of it like that. <laughs> And it's also a very casual experience. They have like a few dots and like you go like, you know, to the $50 one and you click, uh, you know, monetize or whatever, advertise. You pay the money and you see the, you do, all you see is like a number on your impressions go up and you're like, well, 
I got three likes, you know, <laughs> it's crazy. It's like, did any real people actually see this? And you have no way to verify that. I mean, that's so, another thing that. So, yeah. Lot. So that's actually a really good point in, you know, the, the way that we think about, because when you get things for free, right? Like a service, a platform for free, Hey, you can use a social media thing for free, which has been the dominant model. Um, as you said, it's kind of the Silicon Valley approach, I think largely because it worked so well for Facebook and, and, you know, Twitter and some of these, it's sort of like, that's the assumption. Okay. We're going to give it to you for free. Well, we know what happens under that model is they've got to get as many users as possible, as fast as possible. And they have to create some reason that users don't want to leave and want to stay there so that they can keep raising money based on their user growth so that they can, they raise the money so that they can grow more so that they can go public. And then at some point, they're going to start to have pressure to start making some real money. And then they're going to be like, okay, well, making money was not part of our DNA from day one. It was just about giving away something for free and growing users. Now we got to figure out how to turn those users into something. Yeah, we got to sell. We got to sell you somehow. We got to sell you the user. We got to package you up and sell you. And it's not that that is an inherently bad model necessarily, right? It may be a, a viable model, but the fact that that's not what the platform started out as and not what's in their DNA means that you're often going to get the platform changes and become something you don't like, or it starts doing something with your data that you didn't expect. And you feel like in order for them to win, they have to, they have to morph into something suboptimal than, than how they started almost, you know? Yeah. If you look at it from like a base layer, ethical perspective or whatever you want to call it, what you have is your main value proposition being your users. And then what do you do with them? Well, you trick them, you know, and you go behind their back and you steal their information and then you sell it behind their back and they don't get paid for it. So it's like, it's inherently like, if you just put it out there the way that it is, it's very kind of in your face. Like this isn't, uh, I don't know, I guess ethical or just like kind of just basic human interaction like you would never do that to one of your friends or to somebody you trusted or whatever you know what i mean yeah and, you know and it's if these companies started from day one saying hey we got a value proposition free we'll give you a free network and in exchange yeah. we're going to track everything you do on it and then we're going to sell it then you'd be yeah. like okay we wouldn't get off the ground right um right, the fact right. That they, about it. everyone would be like what wait a second yeah yeah so that's why i love thinking from the beginning and saying what if we started from the beginning with a totally different model where one, the data is not ours. The data is on chain. You can get it. And anybody, anybody who, who has you know, access to the blockchain can get it, but you can encrypt it so that only you can see it if you want to. And you can control what's done mm-hmm. with it. And you can give us permission to render it so that it shows in a nice feed, or you can revoke that permission. And everything that happens on there in order for it to get on chain, there's a tiny fee for mining, but there's also in your business model, you're going to take a penny, but the user can get paid for that data. There's so many things you can do. And if you think from that starting point, I think you, you create a set of like constraints and incentives that are so much more reliable, right? I can, I can sort of know from the get-go that certain things are not going to be possible for Twitch to do. Um, and so there's some like ability to know that they're not going to all of a sudden morph into some horrible other thing. Now, of course, you know, you guys could just go under or change your model or whatever. But the way that it's baked in from the beginning um, by having those, those payments involved uh, and having the distributed data, I think is just really, really interesting. Yeah. It becomes a little bit more trustworthy just because, Hey, this is what it is right in your face from the very beginning. Just like you said, if Google had done that, they would have never come off the ground. (laughs) But that's what literally what we're doing. We say, Hey, this is what Twitch is. We charge you for a service. Um, and you know, as we've seen, people have taken to that, you know? Yeah. So talk to me about your, you know, your user, your user base, your, your growth to date. And like, where do you see what's the, what in your mind is Twitch, uh, at its, at its apex, the, 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 the version of Twitch that you want to see in the world or the version of the world that you want Twitch to bring about? I, I just want to see a Twitch as a place where people can go and do business and have productive interactions with other people across the internet and make it as easy and seamless as possible for them to do that. 
Um, if if you have a portfolio on Dribble and uh, you know a Twitter account with a lot of followers, and you know you provide this service on you know X other website, and this is your website, all of that stuff should be integrated into the Twitch experience. So that if I'm looking for someone to provide a certain service, that that's where I go to do it. And that's also where I go to pay for it. And that's also where I go to promote it. And that's also where I go to discuss it internally, uh, you know, like chat, you know what I mean? Yeah. So everything that I do in my business, I want it to happen on Twitch for me. And then I want it to happen on Twitch for everybody. I want to get paid there. I want to find products and services there. I want to sell my products and services there. I want to promote my products and services there. And I want to have all my internal communications there. That's a huge, that's a huge And I want vision. to find people there. I want to find people. That's what I want to do. So, so basically you're trying, you're trying to replace the internet with Twitch. Yeah. I mean, ultimately it's just uh, the internet is the culmination of its products and all of those products have been completely, I mean, it's almost like we've gotten a golden ticket, you know, because everything that exists on the internet today as a successful product is totally um, infected uh, by this kind of collectivist lizard mentality. Oh, this is how things are and it's okay. And it's all going to come to bite them in the ass eventually, right? Like the, the chickens are going to come home to roost and we're going to be right there to pick up the pieces. Yeah. It's funny. These consumer platforms i am hard pressed to think of one for which the dominant perception is that the user experience has gotten better in the last two or three years oh yeah i know right i, know. I, I can't think of, I can't, but like, also look at look at quality of life in america in general and it's the same exact trend it's the yeah. economic policies it's this it's this mentality of it's okay uh, that these people are stealing from me if it's for the greater good, but then you never see any benefit from, you know, the things that you spend your tax money on and all of these things, all this entire mentality of kind of like, take what you can get and give nothing back, you know, like mm. uh, Pirates mm. of the Caribbean, I yeah. think yeah. it really is like how the, the government operates and it trickles down to the layperson so fast. And it's this mentality of, you know, basically scam as much as you can get as much as you can out of this thing. Um, because, you know, we've only got four years in office or whatever the case, you know what I mean? It's this, this yeah. time preference mindset. That's or, funny. As you said that, it sort of made me realize how, you know, you're, you're kind of bringing the ownership economy or an ownership mentality down to the smallest possible level. And saying, look, what if we built on a building block of self-ownership, accountability, responsibility, voluntary exchange, and you create value for people, you, you reap the benefits. If you don't create value, you are the one who suffers for not creating value. And by bringing that ownership down to the small, you know, because you hear people talk about the ownership economy, like, hey, more and more people are self-employed or freelancers or doing gig work or whatever. And that's, that's, you know, bringing it down, like each person is their own company, so to speak, more, more than ever before. But you can go even lower than that. You can say each action that each person takes, each bit of data they produce, every time they click a button, they're the owner of that action. And they get to benefit if, it's, if that action creates value for others, and they get to not benefit and pay the cost if it doesn't. And there's something about the, you know, the the nano payments tied into this stuff so seamlessly that it's more than just a product experience shift. It's really like a, it's really like a retraining, like a behavioral shift that retrains humans to have a, a more yeah, of an individual. Uh, <laughs> and you, and you kind of see this, you kind of yeah. see it seep through on Twitch. Like even with just the users on there, it's like a, there's like a different mentality when you, you know, it costs 10 cents to follow someone and it costs two cents and you just kind of see, it's like a very, very subtle retraining from the ground up away from this kind of take what I can get for free, you know, go, go see if Abuse I can get it. away with selling somebody's data take and no accountability for my actions, right? No responsibilities. Uh, you know, it, it's this, yeah, it's it's literally this invisible government man who's here today and gone tomorrow mentality. And we're trying to do this whole major psychological shift, uh, you know, through our products and the things that we create. And 
it's been really interesting to see. I mean, we have seen growth day over day, you know, for the last two years, every single day. Uh, and more and more people are taking to this idea. There's also more weight to something when you post it to the blockchain, especially like yeah. before um, we were doing encryption. It was like the first time I ever posted my own sentence to the block, just my writing. I just wrote it to the blockchain. I think I used um, BitPost or or BitPaste or whichever one. It was one of your Aaron's products. Yeah. Um, Shout and out then, to, to Libs. Yeah, and you swipe Builder. your money button and then you see it in what's on chain and on blockchain or whatever. And you're like, whoa, this is fucking serious. You know, and, and in the beginning of Twitch, we had guys like Mark Wilcox who were like, yeah, you know, I can't shit post as much as I would like on there, you know, for that reason. And it's, uh, it comes back, I guess, to this idea of like some kind of barrier to entry to be heard and it's like you know it's that you have to accept responsibility and accountability for the things that you say uh and you have to pay a little bit of money um and both of those things i think are somewhere in between writing a letter to the editor of the newspaper uh and posting on twitter where it there's no accountability it's meaningless and there's no barrier to entry and it's cheap you know and yeah that, and that, that's what i find interesting about you know the public ledger component of blockchain, you kind of can have the best of both worlds because, you know, because you're posting this on this, you know, distributed public ledger, that's for all intents and purposes, it's, it's, it's very hard to get rid of uh, what you've posted there is, you know, maybe someday miners will prune the data or whatever, but for the most part, like this is, it's a big deal, right? Like you said, it's not, it's hard to erase, but you can add encryption, which you guys have done optionally where you can say, I'm going to encrypt this so that, it's the data is going on there, but you can't read it unless you've got the key to decrypt it. And so you kind of get the benefits of this is provable. I posted this at this point. This belongs to me. This was something that I, you know, it's created or action that I took, but it's not just out there visibly for anyone else to see. And there's, there's a lot of interesting things with that. I mean, you could almost imagine like, you know, anything where it's very important to prove the sequence of events um, that, but it's, but it's important to keep something secret you like posted encrypted on chain and then um, you have the proof that you did it at that point in time. Uh, but it's not visible by others unless and until, you know, you want to make it. So um, that's a little bit off topic. I want to, I want to um, ask you more generally, because it's really interesting that you're talking about part of the reason all these platforms have gotten worse experiences. And I mean, literally like all of them, like medium worse than it was a couple of years ago, Quora worse than it was a couple of years ago, Twitter worse than it was a couple of years ago, Facebook, YouTube. I mean, all of them. They're all a worse experience than they were. Facebook is like the only one. I actually, you know, of all the big giant uh, mega corporation monster social networks that do the most evilest things, Facebook is the top one, you know, I think even over Google. And yet their products continue to improve. They care about their advertising platform. It actually is useful almost as a, as a business facebook useful. is useful as a as a consumer it's also very useful you can become a business just by using facebook marketplace do you, do you feel like it's common to hear people say boy facebook is so much better than it was last year i think more and more people make money on facebook marketplace than ever and i think yeah. that, that in itself to me just yeah. says no that's getting- fair that's fair yeah. i i i left facebook or i mean i, I just like stopped using it about Mm, two years ago or so replaced craigslist as far as i'm concerned and i use i was a heavy craigslist user yeah no, that's a great point like my wife gets so much value out of facebook with finding different meetup groups and homeschool groups and then the marketplace all the time so yeah that's that's a great point so maybe it's not universal but it but the fact that there's kind of this as you described it like this kind of like everybody just get mine smash and grab like give me something for free mentality and that you are using a blockchain technology to combat that. It's kind of funny because I would, I would argue that in many ways, the crypto world is like one of the most extreme examples of people having a give me something for nothing, get rich quick. I, wanna, I just want to like not do anything and get money. Like that mentality is, has become insanely strong because the prices have risen so fast on all this stuff. Um, 
and so I, I just, I think it's really interesting that you're, you know, utilizing that same technology that I think is often associated with nothing but moon boys, uh, to, to try to yeah, do yeah. something that's permanent and that's real. Yeah. Well, we're actually using it, you know, those, um, <clears throat> those people are just looking to make money. It's different, but yeah, the, the, the general psych, like the general psyche of crypto is get rich quick. And you know, that's the major, you know, now we're starting to see the mainstream media, even that's all they talk about. Oh my God. And if the, if crypto's ever brought up, it's almost never give me something useful that it does. It's always, you know, Sam from FTX made $22 billion. Check out this guy, you know, and it's like, okay, but what did he do? Like he made it so that you could buy and sell other it's it, coins. It's just like, uh, I don't know. I don't want to shit on, on exchanges, but in general, it's just, it's, it's definitely an interesting point. Okay. So I'm, uh, yeah, maybe we should start advocating, um, get rich slowly with micropayments. So let me, let me go pull up my, yeah, exactly. Or that, that, I mean, that's, um, the crypto market to incept themselves, you know, via their own methods, DeFi and NFTs, uh, and number go up and staking and, you know, earning yield that you've Yeah, it's of. funny. Uh, I just went and looked at my Twitch account and it says that I've earned $695 in some sense. Um, and obviously that is not a, um, oh, I'm going to get rich on Twitch. But I think what's interesting is if you're thinking, oh, oh, okay, how can I use something to get rich and get mine, right? You're sort of missing. And the point is compared to what I'm doing on, let's say Twitter or some other platform, now I've got a glimpse of a world in which even with the small number of followers and stuff I have, a couple hundred, whatever it is on Twitch, um, just by doing the same stuff that I do on Twitter, I'm actually getting something from that. And yeah, more you're than already the money doing itself. It. Yeah. And I'm getting an indicator. Oh, look, look at this. Four cents wow. from this person. Every time they like it. Wow. And there's something that's psychological, even if it's not um, you know, feeding my family necessarily, that helps me properly evaluate things and attach and attach value to, to, to various activities, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting though, because if we hadn't chosen BSV, if we had made our own blockchain, we probably would have, a lot of people probably would have gotten rich. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like it's right there. So we'll see, we'll see. We're either going to do our own coin or we're going to integrate a, uh, every coin. So. Yeah. So from your standpoint, are you, you know, it sounds like you're, you're kind of like me where I'm like, I don't, I don't really care. I want the technology to work. I'm not like loyal to any particular chain for any particular ideological reasons. I just want it to do the things that I think are magical about blockchain. Is that kind of your take? Uh, it has been until like semi recently, you know, I, I want to create awesome stuff. That's my number one priority and goal in life. I'm constantly learning, doing new things meeting new people, uh, you know, everything, every day. It's a very productive and uh, fulfilling lifestyle. But I also need to make money um, and as much of it as I possibly can so that I can, you know, do double what I do now in half the time. So, yeah, I want to make money. Too. So, so, so you're, you're saying that which, which blockchain technology you use the, the market price of oh, it matters. Oh, come on. Speculative you, asset. Your business, right. you know about this. Your business is earning uh, its money in some particular cryptocurrency. Um, if it earns that cryptocurrency at set amount and set amount goes down, the, the market price of the coin goes down by half. Uh, if you didn't sell it for fiat, you lost a lot of value. And especially- right, but yeah, no, I agree, but I, but that, that's where I think power, you know, essentially, and that, fine. but that's that's where I think the the mentality of people who are in crypto is maybe missing something. So if I'm if I'm talking to somebody who's going to start a company, they're building a startup, and they're like, you know, here's my business model: we we sell X, and in return, people give us some asset, some tradable asset. And then we're going to have a second way of making money by holding that asset and assuming it's going to go up in price. As an investor, I'd be like, you're an idiot. 
Your, your business is one thing. You sell a service or a product. It doesn't matter what people pay you in. You convert that to dollars right away because your business is not being a trader. That's a different business. If you want to be a trader, start a trading business. But if your business is to sell a product or service, you convert that into the unit of account that makes the most sense for businesses. And you don't play the speculative game. I mean, even in nonprofits, I used to do nonprofit fundraising. And sometimes people would donate. Um, sometimes even Bitcoin in the, in the very early days, but, but, in this um, case, we're using but they would donate stock, right? And the nonprofit is like, we're not stock speculators. Mm-hmm. So we run we're nonprofits. We're yeah. instantly going to convert that to mm-hmm. dollars because mm-hmm. that's not part of our core competency. Right. And so mm-hmm. like, I, I, I like, I, I feel like the idea that you only can build on Bitcoin if you also want to speculate on Bitcoin or any other coin I think is, is shutting out a lot of people who could use the technology to do things you can't do without it. If they just took away the speculative part and said, look, we're going to earn and we're going to immediately flip it into dollars because that's what we care about, but we're going to use the tech for what it does. I think separating those two functions is actually a good thing. Sure. And if there was an easy way to do it, I'm sure a lot more people would. Yeah. Um, So the, so the process, the on and off ramps are just too difficult, right? It's not, it's not necessarily that. I mean, the, the, the vision of Bitcoin is the currency of the planet and beyond. So someone's got to step up and say, you know, we're going to, we're going to put the team on our back and we're going to start this thing up. We're going to start the engine essentially. So, I mean, I agree. Like that's the, you know, it'd be great to live in a world where you don't, you don't have to go in and out of USD. You can just use, you know, Bitcoin or whatever. And it's, it's what you use on all these platforms and it's what you earn, whatever. We're nowhere near that world. It's way too volatile to make sense for those things, right? So like until then, until then, why not just utilize the functionality that the blockchain provides to do valuable things and, and do the, you know, do the earnings as fast as you can flip them into dollars so that you don't lose your shirt every time the market does a, you know, crazy thing until the US dollar starts doing crazy things and then you flip it back. But for now, as crappy as it is, it's still much more reliable if you're going to build a business with any kind of long-term planning. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, from a business, Twitch is fine and it's going to be around for a while. Don't worry. But for, as a personal human who does invest in and in use the cryptocurrency, yeah. you know, it's yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. You want to see up. it going up. I don't know. I, I like the bear markets because I feel like it just weeds out all the, all the crap and it helps you see yeah, what's actually yeah. I mean, functionally it useful started yet. it hasn't even started yet yeah no i i would i yeah i I, pr- I don't know i try not to guess and make speculations on that stuff but it doesn't feel but if like you just uh, look at like the amount of attention that crypto um gets you know during the height of a bull market to the bottom of the bear market you can tell that where we are now if this is a bear market we're not even close yeah very well may be the case um which doesn't bother me actually uh, sorry for everybody else um Okay, let's let's move on. Well, yeah, let's let's wrap it on this on this topic. This is a really this is a big buzzword, so I'm just gonna say it. It'll be like a Rorschach test. You just say the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, no, or what is that? A free association test. Web three. Talk to me about Web three. What does that mean? What do you think about it? Is it all hype and bullshit? You got you got Jack from Twitter basically being like, "Look, this is all a bunch of hype. It's all a bunch of it's fake." And you got other people being like, Web3 is everything, it's the future. Very few people actually define it in a coherent way, but it's, it's, it's hype, it's talk. And in many ways, Twitch kind of is Web3, uh, if I understand it. So I don't know, give me your thoughts. What, what, what happens when I say the phrase Web3 in your mind? Yeah, it's Twitch. I mean, I, I, immediately I go to a buzzword, you know, whatever, because... <laughs> I my like my first reaction is to say fuck that, right? But actually, <laughs> if you want to know what Web3 is and what it's going to look like, you look at Twitch as it is now, and then you go and watch Ready Player One, and then you go and use the metaverse in VR and you put it all together. And that's what the future of Web3 to me is like. If you if you've ever seen Ready Player One, I really, I use this as a reference all the time because I read the book a couple of times. I watched the movie a hundred times. I, I really love the concept because one particular point of it really stood out to me. So the main character, this guy, Parzival, he's in VR world. In real life, he's this poor kid, but in the VR world, he's 
got the first key and he's got as much, you know, blockchain credit money as anyone can get in the game. Like he made a shit ton of money just by doing one thing. And now the eyes of the guy who wants to take control over the game are on this, on this guy, Parsifal, the protagonist. And he's saying, who is that guy? Because we want to win the game and take over the whole system. And so they're trying to find out who Parsifal is in real life. And meanwhile, this guy Parsifal is in the, you know, VR universe spending money. Now imagine if he was doing that with the fiat credit card system. Oh, who is it that's spending that money? Oh, it's this guy Wade over here. He's this poor kid in his trailer. Let's go, you know, kill him. They try to kill him in the movie. They eventually do find out who he is, but they didn't track his credit card payment right back to his name and address. Right. And so how do you have something like that? Well, you have to have something like Bitcoin in order for in order for that to even be a problem for the bad guy to you know, find a good guy in real life. So um, basically what you have is these VR worlds where you have these avatars, which are essentially NFTs, everything that you have in the VR world, you actually own same as you do in the real world. You can have VR uh, real estate uh, artwork. Uh, businesses, um, you know, items, weapons, whatever you use in the game. Uh, you probably have a lot of VR porn money involved. You can go to the strip club and you can go to the whorehouse or whatever. But all of the stuff that we have in real life, casino, everything, it's going to exist in VR. And there's going to be very little to no distinction between uh, the two realities. So essentially, like, I have a painting in real life. I have a painting in the web metaverse, whatever, web three. Um, I own both of them. I can show you them. I can hold them in my hand if I pull it up on my phone, the digital version, or I can hold it in my hand if I take it off the wall. You know, there's like no difference. And that's what it's going to get more and more of gray area between real world and digital world. And all of the payments is either going to be completely We froze for a second. The payments are going to be, uh, you were saying, completely integrated. And either yep. it's going to be completely tracked, uh, KYC, everything the way it is in the banking system, or it's not. So, so you'd argue, look, this is where the world's going. And you're either going to have all the data, all the payments, everything owned by a couple you know, big companies that it's very easy for them to control, to deplatform you, to track your money, or everybody's going to own their own data all, or everyone's going to, you know, they're going to have control over their yeah. data. It's going to be stored in a decentralized way using proof of work. The money's going to, got it, got it. I mean, when I hear that <clears throat> description, like ready player one or snow crash, I'm like, I don't want to live in that world. I want to live in, I want to live in the real world. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but they, they certainly go hand in hand now um, and they're going to continue to, the weight of the digital world is going to continue to increase in your life and everybody's lives, whether we like it or not. So it's either we take control over our own stuff or we allow ourselves to be controlled. And it really is this kind of like polarized, um, you know, view of either it's like a full on communist 1984. Like this is, this is clearly an experiment in control. You know, the things that we see are going on in the world right now. Right. Can you agree with that? Yeah, there is sure. an experiment sure. in how far can we get people to do what we want? And this is this is what since the beginning of time, all major governments and, and in kingdoms and whatever else they've tried to control everybody and take over the world. It's like uh, Darth Vader and the bad guys in Star Wars. You know, they're taking over the universe to restore order. Uh, you either go that full direction or you go the the other way, which is individual responsibility, uh, ownership and private property and all that stuff. You yeah, can't have yeah, yeah, it's interesting. And it's it's funny. It's very easy for people to apply the labels and say decentralized or Web3 or whatever. But I think it's really key to 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 really understand the incentives at play. Um, and like, you know, this is what I always wonder when I use different apps where they'll say, oh, this is some crypto thing with micropayments and you get on and everything's free. And then I'm like, well, I don't understand that if everything's free, 
who's paying the transaction fees if you're saying it's built on crypto? And if so, they control everything, right? They have all like, just trying to trying to break through and understand the difference between who's who's using buzzwords and where there's actually, you know, um, where there actually is provable ownership of data and things like that. You know what I mean? Um, okay. Leave us with, I don't know, whatever you want to leave us with your, your, uh, your pitch for Twitch or a tease at something else you're working on or broader thoughts on the world. I don't know. What, what do you want to leave us with? Give, actually, I, you know what? Scratch that. I forgot. I was going to try to ask everybody the same question, which you've sort of answered, but you can sum it up. Why are tiny payments a big deal? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much have got, we've talked about that. The entire- <laughs> yeah. You're like, uh, I just spent an hour telling you, Isaac. <laughs> you know, honestly, the, the tiny payment stuff is is a great way to get started in uh, as a business that does tiny interactions and small micro blogging and all that stuff. Um, but in general, just like payments uh, in business are important and we want to have as many of them as we possibly can. Uh, yeah. I like it. I like it. The connection of. Wasn't a great one. <laughs> no, no, but I, I get, I get what you're saying though. The seamless connection of payments to all the other actions you engage in, instead of separating those functions out where somebody has got to keep track of actions that are happening and then bulk them up in some way. And then, you know, just, just decide what they're worth. And then someone's got to go and make a payment that's about this set of actions. Whereas when those things are perpetually connected, they're, they're inseparable. Every action automatically entails a payment. It like wipes away those two separate yeah. functions and all the overhead. And it creates something with, again, more accountability and, and um, you know, better, better connection between value created and who receives and captures that value. Yeah. You know, it's not just about the tiny payments. It's also, you know, it's about the transparency um, yeah. and it's about being upfront. It's about respecting your users enough to understand that they're intelligent enough to understand your business um, and want to be a part of it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like the, the, the Twitter and Facebook and Google, they treat you like you're too dumb to understand. And it's really because they're going behind your back and they're doing some shady shit that you wouldn't like if you knew about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great point. Hey man, this was a lot of fun. Uh, if you've never been to Twitch, go to twitch.com, check it out. It's, I, I mean, I love it. I think it's a phenomenal platform. Um, and you guys have had a very steady pace of like delivering interesting updates, interesting, you know, new features on a, on a really nice cadence. That's just very, very steady. And everything that comes out seems to be good. seems to be a quality improvement. So, um, hopefully we didn't lose you. There you go. You're back. Um, so yeah, go check out, go check out Twitch and, uh, Randy, where are you on Twitter? If people want to go follow you. Yeah. I'm at non-dual Randy. N-O-N-D-U-A-L-R-A-N-D-Y. And I'm at three on Twitch. I recommend you go on twitch.com and sign up. We've had a huge overhaul of the entire platform uh, over the last six months. We've been working eight months, 12 months on this. uh, And we think it's come out and it's amazing and everything's faster. Payments are seamless. You don't even know, you know, you're, you know that you're spending money, but you don't even really, it doesn't really hit you how much stuff is going on behind the scenes there. People are using Twitch like crazy. We've got NFTs. We did a bunch of airdrops. People made money. Twitch is hot. Um, we've just released our Twitch wallet extension, um, which is integrated with rarecandy.io. I recommend you go check out Rare Candy. Um, and then we came back from Rare Candy and said, if you purchased NFTs on Rare Candy, you now have verified profile pictures on Twitch that say that this is a verified NFT that you own. Um, I know that Twitter recently came out with this, but we did it first. They, they, Twitter's always stealing our ideas. They integrated crypto payments. Did you see that? They integrated yep, uh, yep. and BTC wallets and stuff. I know Jack is on Twitch. So, you know, Jack, if you're watching us, we're going to keep giving you good ideas. <laughs> we're, 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 we're just working on making everything great right now. We're going to get um, sign up and everything going, going through uh, twitch.com. We're going to get uh, security, you know, to be top notch. And then we're just going to go crazy. And we're, you're going to see some really, really cool stuff from Twitch in the next year. I promise that. I love it. Well, it's, it's been fun to watch you guys as, you know, really pioneers in this space. And, and I think you've 
you've just dabbled in things that you talked about here, being able to do everything on, on platform. Like you have, you have the marketplace on there with some NFTs, you have a little arcade game on there and it kind of just gives you a, like a teaser of what's possible when you've got that one wallet that does everything for you, this terms of login and receive payments and make payments. I mean, you can just individually say slash pay and pay somebody, whatever you want on there. And, you know, it just, it gives you like a glimpse of like, yeah. There's yeah. Twitch is a, is a, is a valuable usable product today, but it has all these little parts to it. that give you glimpses yes. of just how much more it could become. Yeah. I mean, we want, uh, we want our chat application to, you know, be competitive with discord. We want the entire uh, micro blogging and, and then eventually, you know, full on blogging to be competitive with medium and Twitter. Um, we want our NFT marketplaces to be better than, OpenSea, you know, all of these things that we've built so far, half of them that were MVPs and prototypes uh, that we've built upon. Actually, everything that we've done has been an MVP and prototype that we've built upon if it was worth it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm definitely really looking forward to the future. We've got a ton of stuff coming out. I love it. And everything's Oh, there you go. You froze again. Hey, we made it through despite technical issues. We had a couple freeze ups, but was uh, my internet shit the whole time? No, no, no. I think it was. I think it's on my end. So I'm I'm out here in the sticks. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna end the recording. Thank you so much, Randy, and uh, go to twitch.com.